And anything anybody wants to say James Franco is a piece of shit artist did not see this movie because he's fucking funny and brilliant in this movie. So nobody can tell me anything about him. I tell you what, you're right. I'm not a James Franco fan. Most things I can't stand him in. I loved him in this. It's fucking brilliant. He was brilliant in this. And you know who wasn't in either one of those movies? Who? Ian Belknap. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Apecast is not responsible for triggering your PTSD because we are warning you right now that we might. If coarse language or base stupidity from two white guys is not your jam, look elsewhere for your workout podcast. It's funny, so I... Because we were talking about we were talking about this show, this particular episode, and I sent you some links to a band that basically their entire existence is on YouTube recording other people's songs. Yeah, yeah, and they were like a light rock version of the Me, Me Too and the Gimme Gimme. Yeah, I was yep, and the Me Too and the Gimme Gimme. Yeah, yeah. So that's it's, all it's they a do. Ba- yeah. It's a band called uh, Pamplemousse. Yep, and and I dig them. Their sound is interesting, and everything you see on the YouTube video. Like everything you hear, rather, you will see being recorded, which is kind of a fun little gimmicky thing that they do. Yeah. Um, so if there's like seven vocal tracks, you'll see the the lead singer like it's in seven different recording situations. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. I, I, I mean, they're very creative. They're having a lot of fun. That's yeah, I, and they're having cool. fun. And I think that they're a husband and wife team. Um, they were actually in a, I think it was a Honda commercial like a couple Christmases ago, maybe Toyota. Anyway, but I was just thinking, like, is this? Is this artistry? And of course it is. Yeah, I guess it is. Because there's also the band Boyce Avenue, which just yeah. does his own, or he just uh, does covers, and he brings in special guests, and it's good stuff, and it's interesting takes on, you know, the the songs we already know, so you can appreciate it for a different kind of sound. But is that is that just copying? Like, what's plagiarism? What is What's copycatting versus what is a different take on the art? Like, if I rewrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but just... Well, if, you re- if you rewrote it word for word, it's plagiarism. And you put your name on it and didn't say anything about it. If you wrote your own version, however, of Fear and Loathing in Las okay. Vegas... I mean, you can't call it Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas because that's already a very existing title. But if you wrote your own drug-addled experience... <laughs> Right. You know, if you just decided to get in a fucking convertible and drive to Vegas and have this fucking experience, it may have been inspired by, it may have been based upon, it might have, it might just be sort of ancillary or sort of uh, parallel to it, but it, it doesn't make it plagiarism. I, I don't want to get myself in trouble here, but would you say that The Last DJ is a cover version of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Now, I, I have to preface no. that. Okay. Because I'm not trying to say, like, I wrote another... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not no, saying no, that. No, at all, I mean, I just but... no. I don't. That's. I don't think that's. I, I can now that you say that. I would have never made that. That uh, I would have never made that leap. But now that you say that, I can see. I can see how it how that inspired Last DJ. I mean, it's just small stories that all lead into one yeah. bigger thing about yeah. Las Vegas, and there's a lot of drugs, or not. There's not a lot of drugs. There's a lot of alcohol and debauchery, and uh, not to the extent, of course, of. But yeah, I mean, that's. 
so then your piece that you wrote was about, uh, I think specifically a dig that we've been getting since since we started Bug House. Yeah, yeah, that a it's, year that and a half a rip, ago, two years ago. That now. it's a yeah. ripoff show of Right Club, and uh, and I, you know, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it, I mean, it's from Ian Belknap who claims that he invented the term live lit, and trust me, he didn't invert, invent the word live lit. Live How lit does was somebody the claim that? Like, I don't. I mean, the thing I, is, I, I the thing is, I can say I didn't say it, but I know I heard it enough times, like in the late nineties. Yeah, and so I know for a fact. He didn't invent the term, but it's actually on his website that he coined the phrase live lit. He takes direct credit. And the only reason I know that this uh, this troll that we got on the, the Nevada thing is that that's a, the, the fun fact is just an Ian Belknapism. He uses that constantly to be sarcastic. Fun fact. So I know when I read that, I was like, yeah, it's fucking Ian. So this is, this is right club. That he's saying, and I look—I don't know Ian Belknap. I've never met the guy. I don't—I don't even know what he looks like. He's—I don't, well, I I don't have I an opinion of him one way or the other. I really my don't. My opinion of him is: I think he is a brilliant, if not completely self-important and highly over-intellectual writer. He is a great writer, but it's a little—it's a little feat. On the other hand, and he's—on the other hand, he's a cunt. He is a raging <laughs> Jesus. cunt. Is what he is. Okay. And and uh, you know I can say that he's lucky, like in a, in, in a, like a non-hospitalized way. He's lucky I'm not still in Chicago. <laughs> so that's what I'll say. So is is he making the case that live lit is different than live literature? Like the phrase? Because like, I'm just trying to like find a history a of it. I don't give a shit. The, the, his whole thing is because. Apparently, he invented debate and the idea of having six writers and the concept of a seven-minute time limit and the fact that the audience votes for a winner in this faux competition. He invented all those things. So, of course, Bughouse could not be in any way, shape, or form something you and I came up with. I mean, we certainly didn't come up with it in a vacuum. We knew Right Club. I've done Right Club. Yeah. I love Right Club. I think it's a great show. My issue with Right Club, as I wrote in the piece is the idea behind Right Club is sort of McSweeney's clever. It's like, here's some non-topics. You know, these are just sort of, sort of, you know, they're, they're not real topics. And they're there's nothing wrong with that. There's no, I'm not saying yeah. there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. But what it is, it is not a, th- that show is about the art of sort of clever writing. Uh-huh. And that's not what Bug House, that's not our intent. Uh-huh. That was not what we started with. That's not what we wanted to accomplish. And that's not what we do. What we're talking about is let's let's address the problem. He's addressing the problem that, or I, if there is a problem he's addressing, I don't think he's addressing a problem. I think he created a show where writers there's, could kind of... There's kind prompts. Of, yeah, they could cutely pretend to debate topics that mm-hmm. don't mean anything. Yeah. And, and in doing so, write you know some great pieces. Great. Our prompt, our... our our impetus was nobody knows how to argue. We've, I remember you and I talking about it over beer. It's like nobody, everybody's fucking, fa- we were just pissing and moaning about Facebook and Facebook and yep. everybody screaming at each other and all that kind of stuff. And then I called you. I remember this because I, I talked to Dana and then I called you up and I said, I want to do this show. Mm-hmm. You know? And I remember you said, isn't that like Right Club? And I said, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the same format, but here's where we're going with it. Yeah. Uh, let me read something because I was, I, uh, you know, it's a part of that writing that this is something. And I, I think it goes into your concept about covers. Um, a good composer does not imitate, 
he steals. <laughs> Igor Stravinsky supposedly said that. Faulkner allegedly phrased it as immature artists copy, great artists steal. Steve Jobs put it most simply, good artists copy, great artists steal. You know, the thing is, steal here doesn't mean plagiarize. And later on, uh, artist Adam Kurtz, who wrote uh, a book called Things Are What You Make of Them, basically said the difference between copying st and stealing is intent. Imitation is laziness or a refusal to accept your influence. Inspiration is recognizing that influence and turning it into something new. Great artist steal is at its root about finding inspiration in the work of others, then using it as a starting point for original creative output. Artists may recontextualize, remix, substitute, or otherwise mash up existing work to create something new. Sometimes it's as simple as calling something art, Duchamp's Fountain being the sort of example, but ultimately what I think is, it's like when I look at Bughouse, there are several inspirations that put Bughouse together. Yeah. And I don't think any one of them is of greater quantity in sort of the ratio. I think, you know, the idea of a debate show um, via, you know, Right Club, that kind of idea is there. Um, the Studs Terkel kind of reinventing Bughouse Square and mm -hmm. the idea of, of radical of people getting up on soapboxes and actually debating ideas rather than just screaming at each other. Um, game shows of the past the moth and the poetry slam and how they judge things, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff kind of came together and mashed up into what became Bug House. And so I understand why if you are so uncomfortable with anybody, and the thing about it is there's a fucking show called Arguments and, oh fuck, Ar Arguments and Grievances that's playing in Chicago right now. Mm -hmm. Ian's not going after them for stealing his fucking idea. So this has nothing to do with plagiarism and everything to do with Ian and I fucking hate each other. That's it. Now, why do you guys hate each other? Because he's a cunt. Got it. Is it art or is it just theft? I want to play you something. And we've played this before. I've actually played this before uh, a long time ago.
it's a group called Brass Against the Machine, mm-hmm. and uh, their entire thing is they are a, a a Rage Against the Machine cover band, but it's all trombones and baritone saxophones and all this kind of shit. And so the question at hand is, is what they're doing original? Is it theft? Is it art? And I would argue that, in fact, it is absolutely art. And it is very artistic because they're creating, they're recreating something that we're familiar with, but with a completely different set of instruments, with a a female singer Mm -hmm. who's badass, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I would say the same thing. What was the name of the groups you were... uh, Pamplemousse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Boyce Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've got, uh, let me see if I've got one of them as well. Let me see if I can find it. Do you remember the 21st night of September? Love was changing the minds of pretenders while chasing the clouds away. Our hearts were ringing in the key that our souls were singing as we danced in the You know, and they're yeah. great, and, and they're infectious, and it's, is it theft? I don't think so. I mean, I you know, I imagine if you have Earth, Wind, and Fire, you could say, yeah, you stole our song, but I, I don't I don't see that. that it, it, I think that creates sort of like this plagiarist uh, fundamentalism. Yeah. This fundamentalism about art. And, you know, we never, until, until, until there was this expectation that art was going to make you money. Mm-hmm. This was never an issue. Right. Everybody everybody plagiarized. Everybody stole. I mean, fucking Tchaikovsky stole for him, from himself. Stravinsky yeah. stole bits and pieces from other artists. You know, Faulkner stole pieces and bits. It's just how it works. I mean, that is that is the whole point of art, is taking pieces of things that you know, that have influenced you, that have inspired you, and putting them together. Anybody that thinks that any of this shit's original, you know... Is is just fooling themselves. Iron Man stole from Batman. Yeah, I mean that's basically yeah. And is it? But again, like that's the thing. It's not stealing. Like even if it's not an, a blatant cover, right? Like Batman is not a blatant cover. Or I'm sorry, Iron Man is not a cover of Batman. This isn't like no. It's not Bat Dude or some shit like that, right? Yeah, but it's basically it's, a it's guy. an ins, it's yeah. an a, an inspiration, strong inspiration, an obvious inspiration. It's like. Um, Fuck out! Yeah, the Beatles and Dave Clark Five, right? Yeah. Or, the, or anybody that came after the Beatles, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. or anybody that came after Elvis. I mean, and there the was... thing is, the Beatles, their 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 earliest records, their were earliest mostly performances covers. were covers yeah. of other artists. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's it's, that's just what it is. Is is so I don't. I th- so you know, where, do, where does the... it become stealing now? Where does it become an unfair? Is it when you start to acknowledge, like, no, this isn't. I wasn't. Ins- if we if, if we were to say as Bughouse, if we were to say, no, we don't, what's right club? <laughs> what? Come on. No, I, see, I don't if even. If we were think to say that, would that be? Uh, well, then, well, then we're just being dishonest, but and we're right. not acknowledging that there are influences. But it's sort of like saying, 
I think I and, and I quite frankly, I think Ian's probably being more plagiaristic than we are in this regard, simply because he doesn't admit that he ever saw a debate before. As far as he's concerned, he as as far as he concerned, debate just sprang forth from his fucking ego. He you know, the idea that that there's seven minute pieces. He's the only person that saw that seven minutes was the sweet spot. He's the only one because he invented debate, writers, six, the number six he must have invented. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, every everything he says just in that one little post is just this, this pay on to his absolute dishonesty and ego that is so bruised by the fact that we're doing something and... The thing about it is, I'm not. This is what I'm going to say. I think Right Club is an excellent show. I think Bug House is a better show. Okay. And the reason I think Bright Club is a better show, it is a. It, you think, it is a you better think Right show. Club is a better show? No, I think Bug House is a better show than okay. Right Club. I think. I think if we were doing Bug House at the time Right Club was created, mm-hmm. Right Club would have won. You know, mm-hmm. it would have been a better show. But in this day and age. With Donald Trump in office, with mm-hmm. this amount of vitriol, partisanship, and inability to communicate, Bug House is not only a good show, it's a timely show. Mm-hmm. Is there room for both of these events or all of these events, all these storytelling events? I mean, how different is one from the other? Like, I've gone to a lot of them. And I, I wouldn't even call Bug House a storytelling event. I don't believe it's a storytelling event. We're not telling I don't think stories. So. Yeah, I mean, so I do when I write, and sometimes you do. I mean, you know, when people, if people well, want to write stories, it's fine. Nah, it's as much as stand. You might, you it might could be give a stand-up story. show. Yeah. yeah, it could be a stand-up show. It's a, it's a show about persuasion. That's yeah. what it is. You it's can use, but, but in Bug House, you can use a story to mm-hmm. persuade. You can use a song that makes no goddamn sense. You know that you yeah. pulled out of your ass, like do anything you want. Uh, Chris Churchill has done. Vincent Truman is. AJ Miller in last yeah. week's uh, he he wrote a rap about swimming pools being amazing. Yeah, uh, Heather Bodie did a uh, like dressed up in like German. Oh, she did she did the know. Beauty and the Beast, the Bell. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that was phenomenal. <laughs> I accidentally, when I was doing stand-up comedy, I accidentally, and this happens a lot in stand-up comedy. Oh, yeah. Um, where you rip it off happens, jokes. and It happens to Amy Schumer, like, every fucking set, well, she, but, yeah. you know. I was doing this bit for, like, two weeks about the dentist. Going to the dentist, now the dentist tries to talk to you, and they shove all the shit in your mouth, and you can't talk to them, and it's, it's from Bill Cosby, I think from oh. himself. Oh, okay. I think that that's that's the thing. It's a it's a, whatever. It's a it's an old Bill Cosby bit. Yeah. I. I You'd I, heard it, forgot about it, or I mean, I I know that I'd heard it because I'd I'd seen it, but it was so far in the back of my head, not even a blip. And, but that's the thing: is that common 
experiences bring up the joke. And thankfully, after like two weeks, I had a friend, my friend Jason Harris was like, dude, you know that that bit is an old Cosby bit. I go, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, and I I've thought written. about it and I went, oh, God. I go, why did you yeah. let me go on this long with these? Like, I just wanted to see you flail. I just want to get yeah, shit I, well, about I've, it. I've written, I've written pieces that people have gone, you know, that's just a Louis C.K. thing. I went, really? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, that, 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 you know, that was certainly not my intent to, to like, Yeah, like, I don't, ape. I mean, I, look, man, I mean, when I wrote the camp book, I structured it loosely off of, um, going back to the beginning of this conversation, Tom, Hunter Thompson, off of uh, Hell's Angels. Yeah, okay. Because I had read Hell's Angels not terribly long before that, and the structure of the history, and from all the different points of views, was what I needed to do with this camp book. So it was just a good yeah. reference source to have on the corner of my desk. Like, well, right, I mean, how did he structure this? Let me see if I... And it's not... I mean, Jesus Christ. This book about, you know, Jewish kids going to summer camp is, is not nothing Hunter like Hell's not Angels. Hell's Angels. I mean, no, let's be but, very but, clear. But, but it's nice. the thing about it is every house is different, even though they all have four walls. You know what I mean? It's right. like there's no problem taking the structure of something and saying, I'm going to use this as a jumping off point. Yeah. I mean, arguably, uh, you know, I would say that a lot of my writing takes sort of the, the quirks of Stephen King that I love so much and have read since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And certainly not that I write as well or ever will as well as Stephen King. And I don't write fiction, but I like those devices. And so did I steal those devices or am I just using them for my own effect? It's, it's just the way it's what you're used to. I mean, you know, when I can feel myself, if I've, in whatever book that I've just finished or that I'm reading and if, if I sit down to write, I find myself... Not on purpose, yeah, just but absorbing it. It's I can feel like oh, I'm writing a little bit different than I normally do, and it sounds a lot like uh, Sylvia Platt. I, you know, I'm just because that's yeah, a book I'm those, on my desk right now. The Whatever, is, and it's like great, it's con it's in your head. They're, they're great and it's where your brain exercises. is thinking. Yeah, yeah, finds you know. It, it, I mean, you know, that thing is, is musicians is, do it all the time. Am, like you can amateur see, artists imitate. Yeah, but. Through imitation, you get to a point where you are transcending that imitation, and then you're stealing. Well, professionals imitate, too. I mean, there's The Killers' second album, famously, yeah. uh, sounded like Bruce Springsteen. It sounded mm -hmm. like a Bruce Springsteen album. Yeah. I didn't think so until it, everyone started saying it, like all the reviews were saying it, and I went back and listened to it again. I'm like, okay, wow, I does. guess I kind of see it. I can see why they're saying it. But the killers have also said that at the time they were listening to a lot of Springsteen, which is that's how so that's how it works. works. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't say that works. they stole Springsteen. I mean, you know, they still well, sounded I, like a power pop band to me. When it comes to, when it comes to shows, this one it, it, this just popped into my head. It's like that idea of theft is, uh, and this is long, long time ago when uh, WNP Theater was on Halstead and Belmont. Yeah, and I was in comedy sports for a long time, and uh, a guy named Randy Smock who was in it would always make this joke. You know, just, and it was just it was like the rehearsals, whatever. It was just a joke that his next show was going to be "Angry Guy Reads the Paper," you yeah. know. And it's just like you know, it's just like making fun of one man shows. And it was this: he was just going to sit there <laughs> and read the newspaper, but be pissed off about it. And so we about all laugh. It was a funny thing. He was kind of a big angry guy. He's like and stuff. Well, he never did a show. He never did that show. Yeah. And at one point, while WNP, we needed a show. We knew, and I wanted to have a show that mined the news. You know, because it was at the time when The Daily Show was really kicking in. You know, it was re I mean, John Stewart was really 
and you know on the top of his game and so i wanted to do a, a show that somehow accessed the news mm-hmm. and so i thought well if if you know if i'm just this angry white guy drinking beer in a bathrobe <laughs> with the sun times reading my paper and so the, the device was the audience was my neighbor phil who was either too poor or too stupid to buy his own newspaper so I would sit out on my porch and he'd be out in my yard and I would read articles from the newspaper until I lost my fucking shit because it was the Sun-Times, which is the worst newspaper in the history of newspapers. Mm, yeah. And I would read them and I would get angry about it. Well, then we had six improvisers that at a certain point in mid-rant would take over and basically do scenes based on what I was ranting about. Mm-hmm. And it was called An Angry White Guy Reads the Paper. Okay. I mean, that was the show. Yeah. And so... And so we're doing the show, and I end up getting some fucking heat, and Randy's like, you fucking stole my show idea. I'm like, what fucking show idea are you talking about? That joke that you never did anything with? That show you were never going to do? That you never made it... I I stole your show. Yeah. fucking... And I looked at him and said, you're fucking crazy. Mm. You didn't come up with this show. I came up with this show. The title is just an inspiration, but it's fine. Yeah. And then I was so double down about it, I made my blog an angry white guy in Chicago just to say, Is that fuck where off. That came from? <laughs> That's where it came from. It's exactly where it came from. It was like, yeah, oh, really? Fuck you. Now my blog's called this. I own this. I See, invented the term angry white guy. Coined in all caps. I, yeah, well, it is in all caps. I know. So I got two things here. Like, I've, I've, I have all these ideas for short stories or books or whatever it is. And if we don't do it now, somebody else is going to do it. Because other people are out there thinking, right? So you got to get it done fast. When Harry was born, I didn't know this. I know Katie and I had talked about it, but I didn't know she went ahead and did it. She got him a Gmail account. It's Harry at gmail.com. I was up late working, and I was starting to procrastinate, and I thought, oh, you know what? Shit, we never got... Harry that email address we need to get his email address before somebody else gets the, it. the most basic one and he'll end up with something like Harrison Himmel 42733R you know because that's all yeah. that's left of it you know so I get on there and the, the one that we wanted is already taken uh, but yeah, but your wife is taken oh well, my god so I, I, I started this whole other thing and I ended up getting one that I was happy with and i got it all set up and i sent it to katie and was like this is his email address this is his password um i've sent him a a, you know i've written him his first email that's about the responsibility that comes with having an email and and having passwords and how to use the internet properly and in in it i say this could all be nothing by the time that you start using this shit i don't know what the internet is going to be like in 15 years 13 whatever it is you know yeah yeah but anyway, Katie looks at me and she goes, um, yeah, I already set one up for him. And it's the address we wanted. I'm like, oh, fuck. Well, thank God that somebody got the email address I wanted. And it was, yeah. it was my wife. But it was a panic for me. Because somebody got really? to it. Yeah, a little bit. I was just, I was like, I'm a shit father. I'm a shit father. Because you didn't get your child an email that he'll probably go, I don't want it to be Harrison. They call me Harry. That's exactly right. And I thought about that too. But I don't know what yeah. he's in, I don't know what he's gonna want to be called. Yeah. Just yeah. give him he his full name. Be called, he might want to I be mean, called might, Harris. 
he might be like Steve Martin's dog. Which, oh, yeah, he may want to be Shithead Himmel. Absolutely. Shithead Himmel Jr. Shithead Himmel, yeah, cute. <laughs> Shithead Himmel kind of has a nice ring to it, though, doesn't it? It's got to, it's, that, it, that you know, flows well. Shithead Himmel sounds like one of the, uh, what's the Captain America Howling Commandos? Yeah. Shithead Himmel. <laughs> you know, it's got that, that lilt. If I, if I were in the military, that would be, that would be my name. Or if I were yeah. in the mob. You know, all right. They'd call me the nose or shithead. You know that would be. Yeah, the nose isn't original enough. Yeah, there's already a nose in the Gambino family, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. What good yes, am yes. I? All right, Simeon cohort. Here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. First thing is a listen. Uh, last week or this week, however you want to look at it, uh, the musician Dr. John passed away. Uh, and at first I thought, oh my God, the Muppet band leader died. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh wait, no, no. that's Dr. Teeth, <laughs> who was based <laughs> off of Dr. John. He was Dr. inspired John. by yeah. Dr. John. Exactly. But it's give- a, it, they ripped, the Muppets ripped off Dr. John. Yeah. Okay. And that's why Jim Henson is dead. Plagiarized fuckers. And frankly, Jim Henson by dying, plagiarized Mark Twain, who died before he did. So, yeah. Uh, But give Dr. John's album uh, In the Right Place. Give that a listen. All right. My first thing is a read. Um, I want you to, and this is a little bit older book, but it is by Austin Cleon, with a K, Cleon. Steal Like an Artist, 10 Things Nobody Told You About Being Creative. Um. I read this when it came out because I thought it was really an interesting concept. And I, this question that we're asking ourselves today was a question I was asking myself at the time. It's like, okay, you know, where, where's the line? How do you find inspiration in creating unique things? Um, and this is a steal like an artist, 10 things nobody told you about being creative by Austin Cleon. It's really, really, really good. Okay. It's a short book, but it's really, really, really written, well written. All right. My next thing is a watch. Uh, I, I'm not even sure if it's in theaters still, uh, but I came across a review of it, so I need to find it, and I could I suggest you do too. Uh, it's a film called Long Day's Journey into Night. has nothing yep. to do with the play. I know. Uh, it's a Chinese neo-noir film directed by B. Gone, or by mm-hmm. Gone? Uh, it's B. I think B-gon? it's B. I think but... it's B. Gone too. Um, but my God, it looks really... It's good. Re- it's good. Have you I seen it? I have seen it. Okay. I have seen it. It's very, Why very good. Why haven't you told me to see this already? Uh, long time. I don't know. It wasn't a long time ago. It wasn't it that came long out in ago. April, like middle of April. Or I was going to say, April. it's not that, but it's very recently. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just, I, you know, that was the thing is, but yeah, it didn't I, fit any of the topics we were talking about. So it just wasn't eh. anything I did in six things. And I didn't think about it. Some but it's very, very are. good. You enjoy, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I suck. <laughs> uh-huh. I suck. Um, all right. My second thing is a watch, but it's a dual watch. Okay. Have you seen the room? Uh, not Room with Brie Larson. The Room. Yeah. And have you seen The Disaster Artist? Yes. Okay. Yes. What I recommend for people to do is watch The Room mm-hmm. and then watch The Disaster Artist, which is basically a making of with so many scenes directly aped. And anything anybody would say James Franco is a piece of shit artist, 
did not see this movie because he's fucking funny and brilliant in this movie. So nobody can tell me anything about him. I tell you what, you're right. I'm not a James Franco fan. Most things I can't stand him in. I loved him in this. It's fucking brilliant. He was brilliant in this. And you know who wasn't in either one of those movies? Who? Ian Belknap. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Bummer. I think the reason that that James Franco was so great in this is because he's playing a really obnoxious, annoying, terribly actor, a terrible actor as a character. Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. yeah, And that works. And it's fun. It's fun. But you (laughs) got to see You got to see the room. You got to see the room first because it really is one of the worst movies ever made. It's bizarrely bad. And it's so amazing. And then once you see it, you go, what the fuck was that? And then you watch The Disaster Artist and it is just one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, my last thing to do this week, it's another, it's a watch. <laughs> watch the, the Dark Phoenix, or Dark Phoenix, whatever the official I'm gonna title I'm going to go see is. it. Yeah, I got to go see it. Please watch it for me, because I don't want to see that fucking thing. So just uh, right, tell me how just, it is. Just, just so you know, yeah. I've already planned, and I haven't seen it yet. I already plan on seeing it and then writing a I like to watch okay. piece about it. Because it's all about the, you know, it's like Fox's X-Men and sort of that, that thing how they how that evolved and how that they got you know. so they the x-men tried this story in x3 i know i know they hired the the, the screenwriter of mm-hmm. dark phoenix is the same screenwriter that wrote I that know. piece of shit and he's directing i know what kind of what i yeah so i hope you enjoy do-overs it. do-overs he's plagiarizing himself john fogarty over there yeah and my final my final uh is a read um, it is an article in the New Yorker magazine, newyorker.com. It's from a couple of years ago, I believe, um, or actually quite a few years ago. It's from 2004. Um, it's by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. It is called Something Borrowed. The subtitle is Should a Charge of Plagiarism Ruin Your Life? And in it, he talks specifically about a play a woman wrote about a, a psychologist who interviewed and dealt with serial killers and the woman who it was based on, who she was friends with, but she didn't tell her she was basing a play on her life. <laughs> and yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because basically she plagiarized this woman's living experience and made it a Broadway hit. Wow. So it's, it's 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 a very very good uh, and and the thing about it is whether you like Malcolm Gladwell or not I love his writing and I like his perspective and so I think it's a very good piece yeah okay and that's it that's what well, I got and before we go I do just want to say one thing a, a footnote I suppose I don't have any personal issues with Ian Belknap I just want to say this so I, I say this only because I live in the city with the guy and if I walk into a room and he happens to be there I don't want to get shot in the face oh he. Pfft. He's a giant wuss. He's not shooting you in but the face. But he's got people, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Molly I'm Brennan just, might beat your ass. I got no beef. I don't know the guy. I don't give a shit. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and my, and, and my last words is, I do have a beef. <laughs> and uh, and there, are, there are plenty of people who I don't have a beef with who still work with Ian Belknap who I no longer have any connection to because of that. I'm also not afraid to say that I love Don Hall. So, but don't beat my ass for that either. And I, they, it, yeah, please don't beat David's ass for loving. Aren't Don we Hall. allowed to love who we love? Not white guys, oh, not straight white guys. Right, I forgot about that whole thing. 
And that's the show. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. <laughs>